You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning. I have to repent. When Jason talked about fasting from coffee, my head immediately said no. So I truly repent. Um, I'm going to figure that out this week. Maybe let go of a few coffees. So we're in the book of Acts. If uh, you have a Bible device, please, Acts chapter 4. We have 31 verses in 35 minutes. Is that possible? Someone said no. Tina said absolutely. Who said it? Someone. Let me blame somebody. All right, Risa said no. She's laughing. Sorry. All right, Acts 4. So let me um, catch up a little bit. About a month ago, I had the privilege to do a men's retreat. Been doing this for decades in Tennessee. 24 men uh, meet for four days, and we retreat. We hang out. We do Bible study. We pray, and we play some golf. And so I agonized this year as to what to speak on, and I thought, you know, let's go back to Luke. Let's do the mini-series, Who's Your One? If you're a guest this morning, we identified this uh, theme in the Gospel of Luke. One lost sheep, one lost son, one lost coin, and God values the individual. And so I did that uh, three-message series, Who's Your One? The men seemed to lean into it. But I also passed out a magnet. And if you haven't got a magnet yet, they're right over there. It's a magnet for your refrigerator. And it was an application point to the who's your one to just say, hey, who's your neighbor? Start with your neighbors, building relationships, getting to know their names, their children, what's their life all about. We did that a few years ago. It's still on our fridge. So I passed out the magnet, just 24 men. And uh, some time after, I got an email from one of the new guys. Jeff Kaminer is his name, about 40, loving the Lord. He sends an email out, group email. He said, Pastor Keith, love the series, leaned into who's your neighbor. Guys, let me show you my magnet. Let me throw it up on the screen for you. This is Jeff's magnet, and it is coming. There is a magnet. So Jeff shot that out to the 24 guys. He says, man, I leaned into it. I applied it. I got to know my neighbors. And I'm just going to be very intentional about building relationships. But here's the question he asked us. What about you? Well, I took a picture of my magnet. I shot it out. And I said, there's two of us. And 24 or 22 guys are still waiting to respond. So I want to go back, Westwind Church. Gave you a magnet a couple of months ago. Did you put it up there? Are you praying? Are you being intentional? Who's your one? Who's your neighbor? It starts there, right? Starts with our sphere of influence. But then today, as I was studying this past week, we have this beautiful topic in Acts 4, sharing Jesus fearlessly. Now, let me encourage you. Sharing the gospel is good news, but it is hard. Would you agree? The average Christian doesn't share their faith regularly. In fact, the data is six out of 10 do not. You know what the number one issue is? Fear. Fear of what? Fear of rejection. Fear of tension in relationships. You don't want to upset the apple cart. Hey, we're buddies, we're neighbors. If I start talking about Jesus, man, I'm going to get in trouble. Fear that we're not sure what we can say or how to respond to objections. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of angst. If there's ever a passage in the Bible that addresses 
fear of sharing Christ. It's Acts 4. So stand with me. We're going to go through all 31 verses, I promise, but we're going to start out with the first 12. Please stand as we read God's Word. It's a good practice uh, in honor of the Word. So Luke writes, same author as the Gospel of Luke, follow along. Now, as they were speaking to the people, the priests, the commanders of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. This is Peter and John, two of the apostles, the, the two guys that saw the man who was lame from birth get healed. So we're going back, Acts 3, to Acts 4, because they were provoked that they were teaching the people and proclaiming, they were declaring, they were preaching the resurrection from the dead using Jesus as an example. So look what happens. This is Peter and John. So they seize them, put them in custody, basically in jail, until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and I love this, guys, check it out, preaching Christ fearlessly. And the number of the men, and the Greek word there is very specific, it's the men, add some women, add some children, came to how many? 5,000. What a great day for the Lord. The next day, the rulers, elders, scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they asked the question, by what power or in what name have you done this? Meaning, healed this man who was lame from birth. That's Acts 3. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, That's the key to this whole ministry in the book of Acts, being empowered by God's spirit to do as well, preaching Christ shamelessly and boldly. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you, healthy, whole. Remember last week, walking, leaping, hanging out in the Temple Mount at the Solomon's Colonnade. People were standing in awe of God. This Jesus, he goes back to the Old Testament, is the stone rejected by you builders, Psalm 118, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Please be seated. Hopefully you received a Connect card. And again, can you imagine being used by God to heal a lame man from birth? This guy is dancing, celebrating. People are standing in awe of God, and who's ticked off? Again, the religious establishment. We don't like the competition. We are the authorities of religion here in Jerusalem. We thought we did away with this guy, Jesus. We thought we put a period on him. We crucified him. The same guys, Caiaphas and Annas, were part of his crucifixion. We thought it was done. It's not done. Why? Jesus Christ is risen. He's raised from the grave. He's alive. And Peter and John encountered the resurrection Christ. And now they're preaching boldly. And really, Jerusalem, the religious establishment, is upset. If you have your Connect card, I'd like to start with a blessing. And the blessing is this. Each one of us can grow. And it's a growth process, folks. 
None of us have arrived sharing Jesus fearlessly. Each one of us can grow to share Jesus fearlessly by emulating the spiritual attributes of the early believers. Now, at 50,000 feet, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this one thing down. These attributes are all empowered by the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity fills the believers and empowers them to live like this. But when the Spirit is empowering, these attributes are alive and transformation takes place in Peter's lives, in people's lives. So let's look at five attributes. Let's dive in. Attribute number one, share Jesus from conviction about Christ. And we touched on this a little bit last week, but it's Acts 4.12. This is such an important verse in the two chapters, three and four. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people that we must be saved by it. Friends, that is the key to all of Scripture. Christ is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament realities. When Jesus Christ raised from the grave, what does he do? He takes them back to Moses, to Psalms, to the prophets, to the Old Testament. These things speak of me. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that about himself. Either it's true or it's false. And so we said last week, Jesus is our one and only, the only Savior. This past week, I had a conversation with Brett DeRoss, and he had a really nice opportunity uh, to talk to a, a gal in his sphere of influence, a Hindu gal. And they just got talking about Hinduism, Christianity, and one of the things the gal said, which was really interesting to me, she says, aren't all religions just kind of about the same? And as Brett was sharing that, I started to meditate on that a little bit. I said, you know, she's onto something. Here's the deal, folks. Every world religion is absolutely the same at the foundational level except Christianity. Let me tell you why. World religions say this. Work, perform, make the grade, do, accomplish, earn God's favor and merits, and somehow maybe you'll appease him or please him and he'll accept you. That's kind of a little bit of how I grew up. I thought, oh, is the good had to outweigh the bad? But then I learned about grace. You know what the uniqueness of Christianity is? It's grace, folks. Do you know what grace is? God giving us what we don't deserve in Christ. Jesus hangs on the cross, Father, forgive them. That's grace. Some of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis. How many of you know that name, Chronicles of Narnia? Good company here. C.S. Lewis, uh, one of the remarkable men of the 20th century. Hopefully we never forget his name. He influenced so many so well. Kids, read and watch Lewis's stuff. But one day he was invited to a conference on comparative religions. And there's a lot of heat, a lot of activity going on. Lewis walks in. He's like, hey, what's all the rumpus? That's his word. I guess that's how British talk rumpus. Hey, we're trying to figure out what's, what's distinct from Christianity and world religions. Lewis puts on a big smile. He says, oh, that's simple. It's grace. Folks, grace says this. You and I cannot earn, merit, work, perform good enough. 
All our righteousness is as a filthy rag, Scripture says. If we keep the whole law and offend in one, guess what? It's like we've broken the whole law. Why? God is holy. He is perfectly just. And our sin separates us. So what does Christ do? He comes to Calvary. He dies. He sheds his blood. He pays the penalty for our sin. We put our faith and trust in his work at Calvary. That's why Paul wrote these great words in Ephesians 2. We're saved by grace through faith. And it's not of yourself. It's a gift from God, not from works. Why? So no one can boast. And notice this next verse. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we would walk in them. Where does the lifestyle fit? Where does the good works fit? Works flows out of Christ's work in us. We put our faith and trust in him. We transforms us from the inside out. And then we live this new life as baptism truly illustrates. And so what a blessing. Here's the question then. Are you convinced today that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father but by him? He's the only way. He's the one and only. Attribute number two. Share Jesus through communion with Christ. Look at verse 13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John, realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's one of the most beautiful statements that I've read in a long time in Scripture. Now, notice the indictment. They're untrained All that simply means, folks, they're not dummies. They're not illiterate. These were professional men. They had a fishing industry. They had boats. They had servants. They were living in that world and doing very well. The untrained simply means they weren't schooled in the ways of the rabbis. Do you know what's true? They said the same thing, the same indictment about Jesus. Let me show that to you. In John 7, 14 through 15, when the festival was already half over, Jesus went up into the temple complex. He began to teach. Then the Jews were amazed and said, how does he know the scriptures since he hasn't been trained? They said the same thing about Jesus that they're saying about the apostles. So what that you don't have formal training? So what that you don't have rabbinic degrees? Guess what? If you're in Christ and you know the word, we all have the privilege to share God's truth. Would you agree? And that's the blessing, folks. Here's the beautiful thing about the apostles, Peter and John. And I love this phrase. They noticed they had been with Jesus. Have you ever noticed in a person's life that they radiate Jesus? That they ooze the Bible? That their countenance reflects Christ? That they're in communion with the Lord? I was influenced by my dear wife's brother. And Tom was a rough dude, rough dude, came out of the drug culture as I did. And I'll never forget when Tom invited me for that rap session. Hey, Keith, we're getting together. The guys are getting together, hadn't seen each other for about a year. And I'm looking at these guys that I used to run with that were partiers. And there was something different. You know, it was different. It was singular. They had been with Jesus. They're in communion and fellowship with Jesus. They were learning the word of God and it started to flow out of their lives. Friend, here's the challenge today. People can notice that you and I have been with Jesus. They really can. 
when we start our day like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, communing with him in fellowship and in prayer, walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. People will notice, and there will be times where you just have the privilege to share the good news just because you've been with Jesus. How's your communion today with the Lord? Are you walking with him, sitting at his feet? It's a beautiful question. So, number three, share Jesus by being courageous for Christ. And we got a big chunk of scripture next, but track with me, starting with verse 14. I think we'll go through 22. Notice what happens here. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in response. And they had ordered them, meaning Peter and John, to leave the Sanhedrin. Then they conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these guys, Peter and John? For an obvious sign, a miracle has happened. Evident to everyone living in Jerusalem has been done through them. And notice this next phrase, we cannot deny it. However, so this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them, Peter and John, they ordered them not to preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now think about sharing Jesus fearlessly. But Peter and John answered, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you, rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Notice the next phrase. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. Notice the word he uses. For this sign of healing, meaning a miracle, had been performed on a man over 40 years old. Last week, if you're with us, he's sitting at the gate called Beautiful, southern steps in Jerusalem, day after day begging. In a culture of honor and shame, he's shamed. Couldn't provide for his family. Peter, John, say, silver and gold, have I none? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, arise and walk. He arises and walk. He enters the temple complex. You can go there today through the beautiful gate. Solomon's colonnade. Thousands of people probably gathered for worship. He is leaping. He is dancing. He is celebrating God's miraculous power in his life. And who's ticked off? The religious leaders. They wanted the power. They wanted the authority. They didn't want this name of Jesus that they thought they put a period on by crucifying him to live again, but he's resurrected. He's alive. And the work is happening. So here's the thing about sharing Jesus fearlessly. Would you agree if anyone had reason to be fearful, it would be Peter and John right now? Number one, they've been in prison. Number two, their friend Jesus, the Messiah, was crucified. Pretty barbaric thing in the ancient world. By the way, crucifixion was so bad it was outlawed. They had a lot to fear. By the way, prior to the resurrection, they were fearful. All of them scattered when Jesus was arrested. Peter denied him three times. I don't know this guy. They distanced themselves. So you got to ask the question, how did they go from fearful, anxious, hiding, denying to fearless? I think there's only one answer, folks. 50 days to Pentecost, 40 days Jesus spent with them. 10 appearances we have recorded in the, in the New Testament. 
And if you remember Luke 24, they're, they're hiding out. They're in the upper room. They're fearful. They're fretting. Jesus shows up. Fear not. Peace be with you. And he opens them the Bible. And he walks through Moses, Psalms, and the prophets. Wow. Aha, he is the Messiah. Then Acts chapter one, they're meeting in the upper room and they're praying. They're united in prayer. Then Acts chapter two, what happens? The promised Holy Spirit comes, the church is born. They're gifted, empowered to do ministry. 3,000 get saved and baptized that day. And the apostles from that moment on were transformed people. You know what happened, I believe? why they could no longer stop speaking about Jesus. They went deep so they could go wide. In other words, they were immersed in Christ. They were immersed in the scripture. They were immersed in prayer. The Holy Spirit came and empowered them. And they had to keep speaking about Jesus. Friends, what a blessing to follow after the believers of the New Testament church, to live in a manner worthy of the gospel like that. And so it begs the question today. Yeah, it's hard to share Christ, right? It really is. There's a lot of objections to Christianity. People don't want to listen to one way in a pluralistic society. Sometimes we're not sure how to respond to the difficult questions and objections, or maybe a relationship is going to be frustrated, but I promise you this, it's worth it. Would you agree? It is worth it, folks. I am so glad my brother-in-law said, hey, we're getting together for a rap session. He took a risk. He didn't have all the answers because he was a new believer, but he told me about Jesus, and a year later, I gave my life to Christ, proclaiming Christ fearlessly keep speaking about the Lord. Attribute number four, share Jesus out of consecration to Christ. Track with me here, another big chunk of scripture, but you'll see where consecration comes from. So after they were released, they went to their own people. They reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they all raised their voices, meaning raised their voices in prayer. This is a prayer meeting again. And raised their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you are the one who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. You said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot futile things? The kings of the earth took their stands and rulers assembled together against the Lord and against his Messiah. They're going back to Psalm 2. And who's he referring to? Pontius Pilate, King Agrippa, Caiaphas, Annas, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, this is the picture forecasted a thousand years before through David and Psalm 2, and they're praying scripture. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and notice the prayer requests, and grant that your slaves may speak your message, how? With complete boldness, unashamed, fearlessly, while you stretch out your hand for healing, signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And notice this next phrase, when they had prayed, 
the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak God's message with boldness. Why do I say consecration? The word consecration simply means to be set apart. So pause for a moment. Just imagine being arrested for sharing your faith in Jesus. Just imagine. They're threatening them, and they're serious. These guys had the authority and the power to do to them what they did to Jesus, meaning crucify him for blasphemy, for stirring up trouble, because Rome is watching. They had every means available. Peter and John could have suffered greatly, and we're going to see later that Peter was in prison, almost got martyred. So, what do they do? They come back to their people. They gather together, and with one voice, they're united in prayer. They go to Scripture. They pray the Word of God, Psalm 2. We knew this was coming. God forecasted it. He had a plan. This is predestined that his son would be given a ransom for many, for me and you, that one lost sheep. So they pray. But notice what they pray for. Boldness. To share Jesus fearlessly. Lord, help us not to respond to their threats. Help us to be courageous like Christ. A number of years ago, James Wood, a Harvard professor, he, uh, he's a pretty devout agnostic, and he was pretty ticked off at Christians. Let me tell you why. He wrote an article, and the title of the article, you can read it, it's worth reading, Between God and a Hard Place. And so as I read that article this past week, it got my attention. He made a few good points. I'll give him credit. But you know what he was frustrated with? He was frustrated that Christians bring prayer into everything, even earthquakes like in Haiti. Leave God out of it. Let's just pick up the pieces and move on. We'll take care of this thing. Leave God out of it? Well, some comments about the earthquake weren't as uh, biblically accurate as they could be, so Christians don't always get it right. I'll give them that. But friends, here's the deal. Do you realize in the faith journey, as a Christian, prayer is the foundation stone of who we are? We have the privilege to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions. And so, yeah, they're going through this trial, this hardship, they're being threatened. They come together and pray. And I want to encourage you in this faith journey of sharing Jesus fearlessly. When it gets hard, Lord, this is tough. I'm feeling a little bit anxious. I feel a little bit fearful. I'm not sure I got all the answers. Good. Then I cry out to the Lord, I need your help. And we're totally dependent on his word and his spirit. I hope you believe as Christians, there's no dichotomy in the Christian faith, not one. In other words, there's not big things and little things, and we only pray about the big things. Everything in the faith journey, and I mean everything, is sacred. Everything. Hebrews talks about the marriage bed being sacred. Honoring God in your sexuality. Every aspect of our life is sacred. Tara talked about in the children's talk, where relationships are fractured. To be reconciled and healed, that's sacred business. And we go to God in prayer. And so I love, I love their consecration, being set apart, 
first thing you do? How about when you get up in the morning? This is the day the Lord has made. Lord, I look towards heaven. I consecrate myself to you. Not to live perfectly, but to fix my eyes on Jesus because I know there's struggles. Now, finally, let's wrap it up. Attribute number five, and I love this how it closes. Share Jesus embracing your commission from Christ. Where do I get that from? Two verses. Look at verse four. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. You're going to find in the book of Acts and even the Bible that the Bible is very honest about numbers. And sometimes we say, wow, 3,000, 5,000, couldn't that give the apostles a big head? It kind of seems weird. It seems man-centric. Yeah, with the wrong heart, sure, it could be all about me. But with the right heart, 3,000 come to faith in Christ. 5,000 men, wives, children come to faith in Christ. Why do you think the Bible puts a premium on numbers? Because people matter to God. Friends, if you capture one thing today, people matter to God, you matter to God. One lost sheep, one lost son, Luke 15, one lost coin. People matter to God. 3,000 came, 5,000 men came, women, children. The church is being born, and we say, hallelujah. We stand in awe of God. And notice, verse 31, how the chapter closes. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, meaning God's presence was manifested. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is powerful, folks. And they began to speak God's message. How? With boldness. So, do you struggle like me to share God fearlessly, share the gospel fearlessly? We all do, right? We could all throw our hat into the ring. And yet, empowered by the Spirit, the attributes of the early church, we can see God's kingdom come. Now, let me close with a story that hopefully will encourage all of us. Going back to the men's retreat, so I was flying back from Knoxville through Atlanta to Des Moines. And um, in Atlanta, it's about 8 o'clock, and the airport is shutting down early. They're understaffed. I heard that quite a bit. And I was just hungry. I wanted a snack. Vending machines were empty, and I mean empty. I couldn't get anything. Restaurants are shut down. Finally, I found a restaurant was kind of open. Sorry, sir, we're open, but we can seat you at the bar, and we have potato chips. I'll take it. So there I am, sitting at the bar. I had about 45 minutes, and uh, a gentleman sits next to me. Large African-American guy, tattooed up, big guy. Hey, hey. So we get chatting. And the weirdest thing was, was going on. He had a wad of cash that was bigger than a Big Mac. I mean, this was a wad of cash. I'm like, so what's going on? Head to Vegas. Really? For how long? Three days. How much cash you got there? 1500 I'm like, wow. Yeah, birthday present. Going to Vegas. Three days, single. Going to stay out of trouble? He says, I hope so. I said, well. And he says, you know, I just got out of prison. I spent four years in prison. Whips out his cell phone, starts telling me a story through the graphics, getting arrested, going to prison, and so forth. We got talking further. And uh, he wants to start a trucking company and be a millionaire someday. I'm like, that doesn't good ambitions. But when you hit the million mark, then what? Good question. So I said, what's your name? Joshua. 
I'm like, oh, Joshua, huh? I said, you know what Joshua means? Yeah, redeemer, savior kind of thing. So I'm like, you got some Jesus roots? He's like, yeah, I got some Jesus roots. I like Jesus, I just don't like the church. Hmm, interesting. South Chicago guy, check this out. I said, hey, Josh, oh, pastor. He about had a heart attack. <laughs> pastor sitting at a bar? So you could see the gears were turning, and we had more conversation. That day, this is a divine appointment, Ellen and I got a text from Chicago from the sisters, the matriarchs of our former church. Three gals, one's Jamaican, one's Filipino, one's African-American. I said, Josh, you got to see this. I whip out my cell phone. I said, check this out. He's like, yeah, those are my sisters. I'm like, those are my sisters too, Josh. Those are my sisters. So we got talking more about Jesus and the messy of the church and Jesus is good, don't, don't give up on the church. And then I had to get to my gate and I'm running late. And uh, here's what Josh says, I'll never forget it. He says, hey, plant some seeds, pastor. I'm like, I'm trying. I thought I was, <laughs> thought I was doing that. He said, no, plant some seeds. He whips out his wad of cash, boom, 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 plant some seeds in my name. So he gives me some cash. And I knew what was going on, I said, yeah. I can do that, Josh. So as quick as I could, got it to a mission organization, planted some seeds in Josh's name. Why do I share that story? There's a lot of people out there like Josh, guys. I could have just sat there, man, he looked like he had all together, a lot of money, just doing life. He was a broken man. Had some Jesus roots. Church didn't work. Need some healing. He needed Christ. He needed to run to Christ, not to Vegas. Ugh. I was like, give me that ticket. But he was three times my size. <laughs> not going to do it. So I hope, because we've talked about this before, we have eyes of compassion. I tell Ellen this all the time. My number one issue isn't fear, it's compassion. When I lose a heart of compassion for people, I don't share the good news. Lord, give me compassion. I seem to be able to build relationships. But regardless of your thing, whether it's fear or compassion, what is it that keeps you from sharing Jesus fearlessly?